kind of got lower and that preacher voice says, I'm a pastor. And God reminded me, John, waiting three hours is not that bad. I got this. We prayed for that couple. And God, every step of the way, even though flights got canceled and we didn't get back on time because of the weather here in DFW, like once and again, once and again, just keep God showed me through the conference how much he loves us and that he's in control. And somebody needs to hear that this morning because when you get the revelation of who God is, sometimes the things that are going on right now in your life that seems to be, you know, just just too much, all of a sudden begins to really come in focus, the, the God focus, that he's in control and we aren't. But the thing is that a lot of times our thinking needs to change. Well, maybe we've got just enough of the Word of God that we're dangerous. Do you, do you know what I mean? You know, some people believe that as we've been talking about the series, and we're going to continue today, the blessing, that they, they, they don't get their eyes really on the reality that God loves us so much that He does want to bless us. It's not who you are in, oh, look at little Johnny, how special he is. He needs a blessing. Bada, bada, boom. No, it's just the love of God that he has for me as he has for you. You know, I, I heard about the, it's a joke the other day of a, a guy that said he ran into a lady at the mall crying because she lost $200. And uh, I tried to console her by giving her $40 because I just found 200 You know, when God blesses you, you got to be a blessing. Now, now, that's crazy thinking. They just have enough of the thought to be dangerous. Uh, sometimes we don't realize that the Bible really is trying to scream, you got to get wisdom. And it, he says it this way. In Proverbs 4, 7, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it cost you all you have. Get understanding. This, this story is uh, a Darwin Award, and it says this. Merv Gorinsky of Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Ms. Gorinsky had recently purchased a new 32-foot Winnebago motor home, and during the trip home from the OU football game, she decided that she was hungry. After arriving onto the highway she expectantly or expertly set the vehicle cruise control to 70 miles an hour calmly left the driver's seat and headed to the back of the winnebago to make herself a sandwich not surprisingly the motorhome let the freeway crashed and overturned mrs krasinski sued the winnebago corporation for not stating in the owner's manual that the cruise control was not the same as automatic pilot. And she was not actually able to leave the driver's seat while using it. The jury awarded her 1.1 and three quarters, $1,750,000, $1,750,000 plus a new motorhome. The Winnebago Corporation has updated their driver's operation manual as a result of the lawsuit. Now, when you hear something like that, there's two things. You laugh and you go, are you kidding me? And then you start reading that, and actually someone was so convinced of something that they thought they had the right to sue, and other people came in agreement with them. Now, the point I'm trying to make is common sense is not common practiced. And the Word of God gives us the ability to see things the way they should be. Can I get an amen from all those followers of Jesus Christ? It's not something that we argue. Well, can I get somebody in agreement with me to say that, you know, maybe I could do this or think this way, act this way? And just because other people come in agreement with you, if it's not based on the Word of God, we begin to get out of whack. We begin to get out of skew and we see things differently. And the whole point of this series is, to, again, to remind you of the love of God. Because if you're not convinced that God is loving your life, you will go all over the place, but not the right place. I want to 
again remind you that in the Amplified Version in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is what the Scripture says. It says that no eye is seen nor ear is heard and has not entered into the heart of man. So it's, it's not been before, but listen to what it says. All that God has prepared. Do you understand that when we pray that God shows up in our life, that we look long and expect, therefore we are looking, expecting God to show up. But we don't realize all the things that God has already prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love Him, who hold Him in affectionate reverence. Now listen to this, promptly obeying Him and gratefully recognizing the benefits He has bestowed. Nobody knows. This is what it's saying. Nobody can understand all the things that God has prepared, but then the verse turns and says, but, which means, uh uh-oh, what was impossible now is going to become possible. Let's, Let's read this. Yet to us, who in here is an us? I'm raising my hand. It's me and you, believers. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them by and through His Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden and beyond man's scrutiny. Can I say that God has some pretty incredible things in store for you and me in the world in the world to come? If we'll just allow our minds to be opened and allow the Spirit to speak to us, as we talked about the first week in the series, and we took it out of the Garden of Eden and how Adam and Eve was created in the image of God and put in the garden and given rule and dominion over the garden and then really given dominion and rule over the world. And if you think about it, sometimes we don't think about it long enough, but what was going to happen if they would not have sinned? What if they would have not eaten the fruit that God said, don't eat of? What would happen? Now, of course, It's conjecture because we don't know because it did happen. They did eat. They did sin. And sin and death came into the world. But God's plan was for them to be blessed on this earth and rule and have dominion over it. My my thinking is that the Garden of Eden that they were working would continue to spread all over the world. Now, you and I would love to be in that place right now, wouldn't you? One day we will be. But I want you to see that this is God's intent for man. And you see it as man has to leave the garden, the initial and original plan for man. But God makes a plan to bring man back by redeeming him. Now, stick with me. Redemption is just saying, I'm going to pay the price for you to restore you back to even better than the original state. Did you hear me? Better than the original state. That's why in a... At the end of this service, we'll take a communion, the Lord's Supper, to not only remind us of what Jesus did, but to remind us that we have a better agreement, a better covenant. He redeemed us better than even in those people in the Old Testament, including Adam and Eve. Now watch this. Let me just say this before I go on. If the most powerful being in the universe is for you, Can anyone or anything come against you successfully? See, this morning I want again the most powerful revelation, not just a a head knowledge or to hear people say it or a pastor say it, but actually to get a revelation, the most powerful revelation you can have is how perfectly God loves us as a father. Now, this week when I was preparing the message, I I just heard the people in my congregation, Amen! And stand up and just shout me down. Didn't happen. So therefore, we'll go on because I know that it's got to get down in the depths of your heart how good the Father is for you and me. That you don't, again, just have it as head knowledge or just saying, Pastor, I know that. I believe that the goodness of God, this is my understanding. This is just me, okay? But it says that God sits on His throne and the angels are are continually circling Him saying what? Holy, holy, holy. Just just some thought. 
What if those angels are surround, that are surrounding him and flying constantly over the, the, the throne of God is not saying, holy, holy. What if they're going, holy, holy. Every time they see something new of how amazing the Father is. Holy, holy is our God. So, so this morning, I, I want us to again go through this, and, and to some it might be a Sunday school lesson that, that you've never heard, and, and you need to understand, there needs to be wisdom and understanding of the Bible before we get to a place where we can just hear someone say, be happy, amen, what are you happy for? I'm believing for, what, what, what scripture are you standing on? You have to know the word of God. So, so look with me. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to summarize a lot of scriptures today for the sake of time. I encourage you, I want everybody to hear me on this. I would like you to read the book of Genesis. Because a lot of times people, it's not just what you know, but what you remember when you need it. You'll get that. Maybe later. Revelation chapter 12. See, God has shown up in Adam's life and Eve's. We know that the fall of man, and then we know that he shows up in Noah's life, as we talked about the last time I preached about three weeks ago. And we talked about how God told them that they were going to be a blessing on the earth. But in Genesis chapter 12, the man is Abraham. Now again, we see the figures in the Bible, and we see them as bigger than life, and we see them not like us, but they were a man and woman just like you and me. They are not perfect by any means, and it is very obvious that they're not perfect. All you got to do is read Genesis to find out that they're not perfect. But God is using unperfect people, and we can all say, whew, hallelujah for that. It says that the Lord said in verse 1 of chapter 12, The Lord did say to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. Who said that? God. Just just stick with me. And God said, I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, he's talking about there's a day coming that I'm going to bring the redemption, the restoration through Jesus Christ through your line. One of your descendants will be my son, Jesus Christ, that will come and die for mankind. But in saying this, he is also saying his heart. Abraham, if you make me God, I'll bless you. It's not because of who you are, it's because of who I am. I love you, Abraham. Now, again, if you will, read Genesis because... The story is that as you walk through Abraham's life, God promises that his descendants will be great as the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And he goes through all these roller coaster rides of emotions trying to walk in what? Obedience of his faith in God. Does that sound familiar to anybody? That, that sounds a lot like John Miller. I believe for something and God gives me hope in that area and I put my faith in that hope, but I can't see it. As soon as I see it, it doesn't take faith anymore. Abraham has faith that God is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do, even though, even though he's the only one. There is no Bible. He's the beginning. So listen to this. As he's walking this out and having faith that he will have a son at the age of 100 and his wife 90, they have a son. It's, a, it's an amazing story of faith and holding on to the faith. And he, he gets weak in his faith and he tries to put this in place. And he put, It's a parallel to you and I. But when he gets the promise, now watch this. When he gets the promise of a son, Part of the blessing. God says, will you give me what you've been having faith for? Or is the promise, the blessing, more important than me? And he says, will you sacrifice your son Isaac? 
Now, each one of us would have to decide for ourselves. And Abraham says for himself, I'll do it. To the point that the next day he settles a donkey and he's off. Has anybody come to the point too much analysis leads to paralysis? And any time that you're thinking about what God's telling you, you go, well, maybe I'll work on that next month. God, give me another option. It's kind of like the guy that's hanging on the cliff. You know, he's climbing up the cliff, and he gets to the point where he can't really go back down anymore, and he can't go up anymore, and he says, can somebody help me? And here's the voice of God. And he says, God, help me. And God says, do you believe in me? Do you trust me? Yes, yes, help me. First, let go. And the man had a pause for a few seconds and said, is there anybody else up there? Sometimes when we feel like all the options are only one, we have to come. Do you believe that God is who he says he is? Abraham believed to the point that he is ready to sacrifice his son Isaac. But God steps in and says, you don't do that. But the point I'm trying to make is this. Look at this. When he did that, in the obedience that God asked him to do, he said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that kind of ironic, or we should say funny almost to us, that we say, why did he swear by There's nothing greater than God. He says, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the, of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Why? Why did God bless? Because he obeyed him. Now, now let me just continue this process of thinking. Abraham has this son, Isaac. He grows up and he's 40 years of age and he's not married yet, which is not that uncommon because they lived 150 to 175 years. And Abraham, listen, has become abundantly wealthy. God's promise is working. The blessing is working through his life. Matter of fact, it says that he becomes abundantly wealthy with sheep, cattle, silver, gold, servants, camels, and donkeys. I mean, everything he's got. He's got the stuff. Sometimes when we talk as Christians, we kind of get this, ooh, can we get off of the stuff? I don't want you to raise your hand, but maybe that's you today. I believe the enemy of our soul, Satan, would love us to be talked out of the goodness of God in one way is that we don't expect God to bless us or love us. What I'm talking about is a man that is so obedient to God. He's saying, God, I, I can't see you, taste you, touch you. I can't use my five senses to be able to prove, but God, I have faith in you so much that I'm willing to give you the promise that you gave me of a son, the obedience. The love of God is demonstrated in the things that we need and want. Now, again, that, ooh, that just kind of, sometimes we've been taught that that's greasy, but we don't allow God or we don't even recognize the blessings of God in our life coming from God. It's our own hand. It's our own hard work. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of of God and His righteousness and all that other stuff will be added to you. When you get your eyes only on the stuff, you forfeit not only the stuff, but the kingdom of God. So this, this act of obedience puts him in a part of blessing because of the obedience. Obedience, again, on God's thinking, on God's actions and what He asked us to do brings the blessing. So here he is. Abraham is very wealthy. We see Isaac come into the picture in our chapter 26. And it says verses like this that you just go, what? 
Now listen to this. It says, Isaac planted crops in the land and the same year reaped a hundredfold because the Lord had blessed him. The man became rich and wealth continued. his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Does that make you uncomfortable that God loved him so much that he made him wealthy? Because Pastor John isn't making that up. That's in Genesis. But again, what I'm trying to say is the lady that thought that the Winnebago had the control, you know, cruise control and she could go make a sandwich and go, what are you thinking? Sometimes we get to the point that we got to really ask ourselves, what has been framing my thinking on the goodness and the love of God in my life? And again, in chapter 26, verse 23, God says, I'm going to bless you. He said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I will, I will be with you. I'll bless you and will increase your number of your descendants for the sake of my servant, Abraham. Isaac then built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. Again, where the blessing is going, everywhere it's going, it's one purpose is to almost, you could see, create a garden and when it's working, wherever and whenever it's released in operation, you can see the fruit or the blessing in operation. In this part, it's in Isaac's life. Because he's made God his God when everybody on the face of the earth is working in a different direction. They're worshiping other gods, but not Abraham and Isaac in their household. Now, now again, Genesis chapter 25 there's a story that happens because now you got Abraham the father and Isaac his son and Isaac has two children. And, and I could go into detail, but you'll pick that up this week when you're reading Genesis. <laughs> Speaking by faith. Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Now, you, you can read this story, you can teach this story, and you can still get revelation out of this story. Two sons come out, and they're twins. The older is Esau, and the younger is Isaac. In this tradition and in this culture, the older always gets the blessing. But because of the will of God, we see that Isaac gets the blessing and is prophesied that he will do so. Now, I can give you a bunch of uh, proof and all these things, but let me just tell you this. I'll give you a few things that Jacob, the younger brother, will be blessed, but he is a deceiver by nature. His mother has influenced him, and she's not, you know, not perfect. But God uses unperfect people, again, to show us. The influence in his life is trickery, to deceive and to, to kind of be cunning and try to, and we see that he works it to the point where not the older one gets a blessing, but he gets the blessing of his father. Now, this is something big because, again, the blessing will flow through the obedience of the person. But right now, Isaac is set up to receive it. Will he get it? Now, after his older brother understands that he has been cheated out of his blessing, he says, I'm going to kill my younger brother. So mommy goes to younger son and says, it's time for you to leave. The younger son Jacob leaves in order to find a wife, really just to flee to get out of there, but also to find a wife. The Bible tells us that he goes to his uncle, the brother of his mother, his uncle's house. Now, on the way, I want you to see this because this is what I really want you to get today. If you look in Genesis, and, and we're going to talk a lot about it, When he's almost halfway, he gets to a place called Luz. Now, nobody knows where Luz is, but he renames it, and we'll, we'll understand it in a second. And it says this in Genesis 28.10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran, 
where he reached a certain place. Some of you feel like maybe you come to church every Sunday out of habit, and that's a good habit. But I want you to come expecting that you're not here by accident and that you look long and expect for God to show up in something that is ministered to you that day. This morning, some of you need to hear this part of the story because I call it the meeting. When the God of Abraham and Isaac will become the God of Jacob himself. He'll he'll say, now I get it. See, he was raised in what we would say a good godly home. We don't know how much influence that was on his life. We don't know that that we're just not told. But we do know that he's not a real on-the-level kind of guy. But as he's fleeing for his life, on the way for a new life, he doesn't know what to do. He don't know really where he's going. And in Genesis 28.10, it says, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for some, when he reached a certain place. Some of us are in that certain place right now. Can I tell you, nothing is random with God. He just maybe reached a place, but God knew where he would be, and he knows where you are right now in your life. It says he stopped for the night because the sun had set. As he's there in this place of Beersheba, it says taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to the heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Does that sound familiar to anybody here? It's the same promise he gave to Abraham. It's the same promise that he gave to Isaac. And it's the same promise that he gives to us. I will watch over you and wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I've done all that I promised. This is an incredible passage of God saying to Jacob, I was your grandpappy's God. And I am your daddy's God. And son, I'll be your God if you choose me. That that question is to each one of us today. Will we make Jesus Lord of our life? It's life changing. So dramatic of a change that Jacob, by faith, is going to make a change in his life that will set him up for the greatest success that he would ever dream of when the blessing of God comes on him. When he left home, That blessing was put on him by his father, but the father is saying it like this. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful. May he give you your descendants the blessing given. He said, may, but God says, okay, I'm showing up, Jacob. I'm willing. Are you willing? Let Let me put this in. Just because somebody says, okay, God, you're my God doesn't mean that they're going to walk in obedience. This is what God is saying. Not just I will, but you make me your God and I'll bless you. Let me ask you some questions I wrote down. Do you know your God or do you know of him through someone else's revelation of who he is? Do you, do you have a relationship with him? Do people know your God is your God? We prayed for some people, and they go, boy, this this lady on a shuttle bus that Mark and I, she, she kind of did the, you know, this is pretty, hallelujah, you're the pastor of a church, and you're the young adult, but hallelujah. She changed quickly. But the first thing out of her mouth out of that was, boy, 
you're pretty bold because some people would think that you'd get in trouble by sharing that on this bus. Now, again, we were in California, not Texas, but that's another story. Again, he's not going to be perfect. And he's been a deceiver up to this point. But listen to what he comes up with in chapter 28, verse 20. He says this, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me, on this journey I'm taking and will give me food and clothes to wear so that I'll return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And the stone that I've set up, a pillar, will be God's house. And all of the and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. That that place is changed from Luz to Bethel. You hear a lot of churches named Bethel, because in this part is the Bethel is the house of God. He's making a commitment right here that he's going to have God as his God. When when. Now, what we know in our culture is a church is an altar call and will you raise your hand or will you make a commitment to Jesus Christ and, and each person has to individually make a... I can't make it for my children. You can't make it for your children or the person next You individually have to make the decision. This is what's happening right here at this altar at Bethel with a man named Jacob. Yes, God, I will serve you. Now, now, again, part of this is being taught to you so that you'll get later where we're going. But at the same time, I want you to understand the blessing of God that begins to work. Now, let, let me just kind of fast forward by summarizing this. He gets to his uh, uncle's house, Laban. There, there's so much history in this, and I love history. I, I, I don't want to go too far, but Laban is his Jacob's uncle, which is his mother's brother. The mother, remember, is a little bit of a deceiver herself. So what do you think her brother's going to be like? Oh, he's got it. Oh, he's whew, he's a deceiver too. And I believe, as, as I studied it, remember that God told Abraham, leave your family and go to the country. It's because of their idol worshiping was going to influence them to the point that he says, get out of there. Well, the time for Jacob to get a wife, he's either going to change or he's going to either marry one of his family, the clan that his family's with, or a Hittite or somebody out there that is an idol worshiper. So the best in the land is going to come from his own family, but still they're deceivers. Why do I bring this up? Is because time and time again, God shows us that he's going to use unperfect people. So if, if the enemy is telling you that you're not enough or you're not this or that, or you don't have that, kick that stuff out. So Laban welcomes Jacob into his house. There's a daughter of Laban named Rachel, and she's a fox. A fox. For all of you under the age of 30, that is a good-looking lady. All right. I don't know where that came from, but anyway. He has two daughters, Rachel and Leah. He tells Laban, he says, I want Rachel. And he even offers, he offers to work seven years for her hand because probably he has no kind of a dowry to give. He's running for his life. I'll work for seven years. He works for seven years. On the wedding night, he gets a little tipsy. And he wakes up next to Leah, which is the other sister. Not as pretty. He goes to Laban, what have you done? You gave me the wrong sister. Now, maybe you shouldn't have been drinking so much. But Laban being who he is, doesn't want to lose Jacob. And this is the point I'm making, to the point of tricking him into staying. Because why? Why would he want Jacob in his house? We'll answer that question in a minute. 
he says, you have tricked me. You gave me the oldest sister. And Laban says, it's a culture. We don't give the younger before the older is married. So why don't you work seven more years for me, and then you'll get the younger daughter. So the Bible says that he works seven more years and then eventually gets Rachel. He's got Rachel and Leah. Both of them have concubines, servants. So then he says, Laban, it's time for me to leave. Now, I want you to see this because when the blessing is working, you can see the fruit of what is happening and people can see that. But Laban said to him in verse 27 of chapter 30, but Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, he's talking this to his son-in-law now, please stay. I have learned by divination by his gods that have to submit to him, or at the best, God has told him, by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. This guy has not got that much stuff until the blessing of Jacob shows up in his life, and all of a sudden now Laban is going, wow! So when Jacob says, it's time for me to go, he says, let's talk about this. If, you, if I found favor, please stay. I've learned through divination that I am blessed because of you, he added. Name your wages and I will pay them. Now listen to me. The blessing of God is on us that are obedient and we believe in the things of God. We are walking in by faith. This is where people will know we are Christians by our, see you don't know, love. So where you go, the blessing follows. You show up at a job and they go, no, 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 no. You come over here and begin to work. Let, let me tell you, when people begin to see the blessing working in and through you, they begin to make a way in your life where you never could do it. But besides, I mean, you couldn't even think about it without the blessing of God working on you. In verse 29, it says, Jacob said to him, you know how I've worked for you and how your livestock has fared under my, my care. The little you had before I came has increased greatly and the Lord has blessed you wherever I've been. But now when may I do something for my own household, what shall I give them, he asked. Again, where the blessing goes, the purpose is you could almost say to create the Garden of Eden and wherever and whenever it's released into operation, you should be able to see it. Now, there's a whole time where Laban says, you just name your wages. And, and let me just tell you this for the sake of understanding, that Jacob says, okay, I'll tell you what, because he understands now his father-in-law is a deceiver and he'll try to cunningly cut his wages and try to cheat him out. He says, I'll tell you what, all of those flocks that you have got because the blessing of God now is on your life, Laban, from now on, let's make a deal. My wages will be out of your flocks, whichever one are speckled or striped. I'll take that one. And you can have all the ones that are solid. Deal? Deal. There's no way to cheat. You can look at that little animal and go, yeah, that one is his and that one is his. It's easy. The blessing of God is so much on Jacob's life that it be his little non-existent herd begins to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow to wealthy status. The day comes that God tells him to leave and to leave now. Remember that part of the blessing is that I will watch over you and no harm will come to you. To Abraham, really, that definition was I'll be a shield to you. Laban understands that Jacob, Rachel, and Leah, and now has 12 sons with the four ladies, the two Jacob, or uh, Rachel and Leah and their two concubines, 12 sons, which will be the 12 tribes or part of the tribes of Israel. They flee. Laban goes in hot pursuit to really take care of Jacob for leaving. But the night before that he overtakes Jacob in the caravan, God shows up, and in my terminology, knocks on his door and says, you better not touch my man Jacob. 
So the next day, he kind of, <coughs> Jacob, you did me wrong. You did me wrong. Okay, you did me wrong. I'm leaving. Nothing. Again, when God is on your side, you're going to have to decide when somebody's coming against you or has offended you or hurt you, that God will speak your cause. Can I say this again? I said it earlier. It's not what you know, but it's what you know when you're in the storm that's going to get you out of it. And I just said something. I hope you remember. It's hard for me sometimes in the middle of the storm when somebody's offended me or did something that I state, God, you'll speak on my behalf. In chapter 30, verse 43, listen to this. In this way, the man grew exceedingly prosperous and came to own large flocks and maidservants and men servants and camels and donkeys. Jacob leaves a different person. You can study that all you want, but the difference is the meeting when God showed up at Bethel and it was revealed to Jacob who God was. He had a revelation of who God was. If you hear what he tells Laban, he says, I've been with you 20 years. He said, all that I've done, I, I've, I've worked in the heat of the day and the cold of the night. If anything was stolen, I had to replace it. I had to pay for it. He said he was, all this stuff was going on. And, and I say this in conclusion of this part of the series that we're in. A lot of times when you hear a pastor talk about the goodness of God and he brings in that all the blessing of God, some people, not you, some people think that you can sit on a couch and let just dollar bills fall on your lap. I'm not saying God couldn't do that, but chances are he's not going to do it. It's going to be just like Jacob said, I, I worked hard and God blessed the work that I've done. Understand before we go on to the next part of the series that the blessing is on you when you're obedient. But the blessing is when God comes alongside of us and bless. We, we sang a song today. Uh, the goodness of God is, is coming after me or running after me. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 28 that we'll talk about later, talking about the people of Israel. And God promises them, you just stay with me. You just stay obedient. And I'm going to bless you in the city, in the country. I'm going to bless you when you're coming in. You're not going to be the bottom. You're going to be the top. You're not going to be the tail. You're going to be... He just goes crazy, it sounds like. Just, I'm going to bless you. But I love the part that says, and the blessing will come and overtake you. And I've said this before during a worship song like this, that he's saying that my goodness is so good for you. You just stay obedient. You still stay in faith. You're not, you're not perfect. And I've got grace for you. But what I want you to realize is that I love you. I want to say this before the worship team comes up because sometimes it's a distraction and I want you to get this. Is we're living in a season where, you know, our young adults are amazing risk takers. And as they step out in faith, listen, sometimes when people step out in faith, they can look and they can get off track. But here's what I know, is as people with faith step out and sometimes they get it wrong, it's, it's a time of practicing. Can, can I give you a little bit of freedom to realize that we're not always going to get it perfect? But there's, there's a, you look at any kind of practice, and, and for the, just for the practical purpose, let's use sports. The guy in the batter circle on deck, doesn't he look good? He's showing his muscles and he's got two bats at one time stretching, you know, and he's 
He's got, you know, everything down. You know, he looks like a ball player. But he's not a ball player until he gets in the batter's box and takes swings. And there was a time when he was in the little leagues and he couldn't swing and hit the ball. But as he progressed, he got better at it. Listen to me. There's a lot of people that will expect what I preach today to happen. It is in working the blessing in your life. Jacob, 20 years. Did you hear me? 20 years of hard work as the blessing came upon him. And some people, I don't got that much time. You can try to work in not the blessing and be disobedient and see where you are in 20 years. But what I'm saying is it's in the process. Just just walk in love. And wherever you go, the blessing is following you. And the day comes when you look and you go, and some of us have done that. We look around and we go, how did I get here? It's because we were obedient and just walked out the blessing of God in our life. This morning, as the worship team comes, we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And as the Lord's Supper is taking, what we're doing is we're agreeing that our covenant, our agreement, covenant better than a contract, says that our God will never leave us nor forsake us. That our sins can be forgiven. In Isaiah the promise to Jacob and his descendants was this. Fear not. I've redeemed you. I've called you by name. I will not leave you. Even if you go through the fire or the flood, I'll be with you. Now, this is for you. In Galatians chapter 3, and worship team, listen to this because I left this out. In Galatians chapter 3, I want you to hear this. It says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. Here we go. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentile. You're a Gentile if you're not Jew. Come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Now, now watch this. The promise of the Spirit. Well, what, what do you mean the promise? Of, no eye, no mind can conceive all the things that but we have been revealed in by the Spirit. We've been given the promise of the Holy Spirit. But listen to this. So in Christ Jesus, you all are children of God through faith. For all who are baptized into Christ and clothe yourself with Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. You are all children of God. But listen to this. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs of
realize by the blood of Jesus that our sins are forgiven. If you have never received Jesus Christ in your life, this morning when you make that commitment, you say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. And the Bible says, and Jesus says, if you do that, I will come in to your life and be Lord of your life. Would you sing this song again as a sign of love?